Megan McCain has entered the chat. Welcome back to Megan McCain has entered the chat with me, Megan McCain. Today we have two really wonderful guests. My friend Essie Cup, who is a CNN political analyst, author, speaker, nationally syndicated columnist, um, all the things. And then my friend, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, which I just realized, Miranda, we have had two former Speakers of the House on this week. And two Bravo whisperers, because yes. that's kind of what SE's deal is also. Yeah, we talk a lot with Bravo, with SE, and we had to rent on it. It's so funny. I didn't even put that together. We didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> what a weird week. <laughs> I know, kind of a weird week. I still have a little bit of a cough. I'm still sick. I'm dealing with it. I'm sorry to everyone if my voice still sounds weird. I've gotten feedback that my voice still sounds weird. Your girl's trying. Your girl is trying. And Miranda's not feeling good now either, so we're just falling apart. We're doing the best we can, okay? Yes. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience right now, Miranda? I, I mean, I don't know. No. <laughs> is, is there? I, oh, I tried the Navage. How was it? Again, not an ad. Um, it was It was fine. Um, I really not as liked good as it. I am. Yeah. It was, no, no. I really liked it, but there was some trial and error with like figuring it out. Like there was a minute there where I was just like salt water was going down my am throat. Am I drowning? <laughs> I'm like spitting it out as it's like flushing through. So, but yeah, it was fun. It was an yeah. experience. That's for sure. But once I, like now that I figured it out, I really enjoy it. And we are doing episodes next week before Christmas. And then we're going to take a little break at Christmas time, but then we're doing one right after New Year's, um, like right New Year's Day, I think. And we've got really good stuff and good people coming up. And I can't believe we've been doing this for a few months now. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Three I'm months. Yeah. yeah. Or no, wait, is it four? How long? Is it? September, October? October? I don't know. I don't know. Three or four months. I'm not sure. <laughs> Time is a construct. <laughs> but I just want to thank everyone for continuing to listen and support. And uh, yeah, we will, uh, I guess, just get started, right? Yeah, let's do it. Welcome back to Megan McCain has entered the chat with me, Megan McCain. I'm in studio with one of my, I feel like I do this every day. I'm like, I love this person, but I love you. You're like my sister. You're my best friend. My friend, Essie Cobb. I know. It's <laughs> it's wild because I do the same thing. Like, you know, when I'm interviewing someone, I love this person, but I really love you. I talk to you. It's real. <laughs> 10 times a day, I know. 15 times a day. Yeah. I text you about every single detail of my life. Yes. And, and also nonsense. Like, and ridiculous shit. I love yes. our ridiculous shit texts. Yes. I have to, sometimes things happen like George Santos making $175,000 on Cameo and I'm like, I need your opinion on Yes, all right, right, right. And I just wanted to start out with like, I can't even really remember when we met. I think it's like literally 2007, 2008. It's a really long time ago. Yeah. And we've been friends forever. Yeah. And I was thinking when I was driving here, how special and unique it is to have this close of a friendship. Yeah. We do the same job, kind of, except you're much more serious than me. And No, but we could be competitors. Yes. And I always and not. thought that you and I are like the best example, not to like toot our own horn. We are awesome. For female <laughs> relationships in the industry. Because I don't feel yeah. competitive with you because, yeah. I don't know, I just feel like there's room for everybody and I also think... You're just so you're to me. You're so different than me. You're like people take you very seriously. Yeah, see, <laughs> I don't know, me, I don't know as much. Um, but I just want to say thank you because I don't think I would have survived in this industry without you. Same, thank same. You. Being in this industry, 
you really need someone to talk to who knows the industry. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to explain everything. You can shorthand. You know what I'm going through in my mm-hmm. professional life as well as my personal life. And so, you know, to have this bond and so much in common in our jobs is so necessary. And then someone you trust and, you know, are not competitive with, you can't buy that. You can't buy that kind of relationship. And I feel like, and again, not to be like exposing ourselves, but I'm not 25 anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm right. 39. Right. And to be going through so many incarnations of life with you, I can even remember when we were doing like live Zooms about like makeup during the pandemic. And right. it was just such a nice distraction yeah. from the intensity and darkness of the pandemic. And I feel like our lives have like mirror things with each other where I feel so safe with you and just like the world is chaotic and dark and scary. And you're one of my like beacons of light all the time. But same. Uh, we've been through a lot. We have been through a lot. We've been through a lot, uh-huh. professionally and personally. Yes. Great things, motherhood, you know, bad things, awful jobs, people we don't Insanity. like. Right? Yeah. Um, mental health issues. Yep. And we've been through a lot. And yeah, same. I've needed you, you know. I need you. I need you all the time. I don't know. what I literally don't know what I would do without you. (laughs) But you have been so brave. Like the holidays I'm finding. I've been very sick. I've told you you this. Um, And so I haven't really gone to any Christmas parties or anything. And I normally, since my dad died, I find the holidays like much harder. And I know that sounds, you know, maybe a little like, oh, I don't want people to feel bad for me or anything. But you've been so open, bravely about like mental health. What are you doing during the holidays, which can be a dark and triggering time for people to keep your mental health in the place it needs to be? And what would you tell people who are also struggling? Yeah. Yeah. The holidays aren't harder for my mental health for any of those reasons. I understand why it is for a lot of people. The holidays are hard for me because they're chaotic. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot going on and people and family and events and parties and school is crazy at the holidays and, you know all kids are a little crazy around the holidays. So the chaos, my son's birthday is around the holidays. The chaos is tough on anyone's mental health, but in particular me, uh, because my mental health issues are anxiety. And when there's chaos, I'm very anxious. And I like things neat and orderly and predictable and planned. Mm -hmm. And so the, you know, the chaos, the excitement, which should be a positive, can be tough for me. So I just try to find moments to center myself take time for me. I've recently discovered I have permission to ask for time for just me. Mm-hmm. Away from my son, away from my husband, just me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a thing you could do. Like as a No, mom, I love that. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it could just be 10 minutes, but like I need y'all not to bother me mm-hmm. for 10 minutes. And that could be that could be a bath. Uh, sometimes I've gone upstate overnight just for some centering time. So finding those moments for yourself, I think are really, really important. And then I think if you have the other, another layer of mental health problems, like a feeling of loneliness around the holidays, I know a lot of people encounter that. Reaching out to old friends, family that you haven't maybe talked to in a while, it's a good time to do that. And rather than thinking about it helping you, imagine it's going to help someone else. Mm-hmm. That phone call that you're making so that you can feel connected during the holidays is going to make someone else feel connected. And maybe that's a thing they really needed. 
So uh, that's just a little advice. But why did you the umbrella advice is get a therapist? Get a therapist. Yes. Well, yeah, of course. Why would you decide to be open about it? Because I knew, obviously, it was going on. Um, And then you were so brave and so open. I've actually had people approach me and be like, SC is so inspiring for talking about, you know, having mental health issues. We all do. I don't know anybody who doesn't post-pandemic. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I first talked about it because I had sort of a nervous breakdown and I couldn't make sense of the news, which was my job. Yeah. I couldn't talk about things that I had talked about for 20 years. I couldn't make sense of politics in the news. I couldn't watch TV. I literally couldn't put words together. The only thing I could talk about with any clarity was my mental health and what was happening to my brain and and me. So I did it almost out of necessity as sort of a diversion from the fact that I could not talk about work, mm-hmm. politics, the things I, w- I was paid to talk about. It was almost a diversion to distract people from the fact that I couldn't do that for a time. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I had to ask work for time off. Like, I didn't want to be ashamed. And so telling people was a way of removing the shame for me so that I didn't add sadness and shame to a, an anxiety problem, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I had enough on my plate. I didn't mm-hmm. also need to be embarrassed. So I talked about it, and then that just became such a snowball because when you talk about it, other people say, well, that happened to me, or I know exactly what you mean, or thank you so much you know, for saying something. I'm going to go get some help. So then you want to talk about it more, mm-hmm. right, because it's helping people and it's helping you. So it just became a thing, and then I started starting sentences with, well, my therapist says, mm-hmm. and I, it's like my mission now mm-hmm. to normalize talking about mental health like I want to sit down for coffee with a friend and ask how's your mental health Mm -hmm. you know I want to drop my therapist said into a conversation and not have it be weird it's not weird it's not but I want people to feel normal talking about mental health and I'll go first you know Mm -hmm. I'll start it's very brave I mean one of the things that you and I have really bonded over is you know when we started on this industry and I'm not just saying this it was really fun Part of the reason yes. I liked this job is because it's fun. It's it was. Because I can remember even like going on shows with you and then like going out afterward yes. and like getting some drinks and right. having a good time. And, you know, it wasn't so like it wasn't so divisive. There was a feeling of camaraderie, I think, particularly with women who do what we do. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I'm going to say it like post Trump, yeah. like since Trump got elected, I have found that like the joy is gone from everyone. Yeah. And when you say, I couldn't process the news, mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Mm. That I feel like, as political analysts, to analyze now, we're in, I always say we're in the apocalypse, because right. we are. Right. And I don't know how to make people feel excited mm-hmm. or hopeful about politics right now, because I'm sort of having this like existential crisis. Like When I left The View, I was like, I just don't want to go back on TV right now. Yeah. I don't like it. Like, I don't want to wear makeup every day. Like, I don't, whatever. And part of it is this moment. And even, like, in this second where we're facing a possibility of Trump and Biden again, it feels just, for me, very maudlin. Yes. Um, How have you, because you're still on CNN, like, every day. Uh And you still, you talk about the news every day. How have you channeled, how have you worked through this? It's really hard. And I'm glad to hear you say that because I really thought it was just my mental health. But I do think it's, like... The world changed after Trump. Mm-hmm. Our jobs changed. Mm-hmm. Politics changed. 
the people we knew were no longer the people. Yes. Right? It was like invasion of the body snatchers. Yes. There were so many people that I thought were one person yes. that turned into another. And sold their souls. And I can right. actually remember going on a double date with you, bef- with Ben, before we were even engaged, when we were dating, yeah. with you and your husband, John. Yeah. And us being like, it was when Chris Christie first endorsed Trump. Mm-hmm. And I remember everybody at the table said, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. What? And we were like, what? How does this happen? Why are you doing yeah. what? Yeah. And I was like, oh, thank God. She's still normal. Uh-huh. Etsy's brain uh-huh. isn't right. eaten right. by the body snatcher. Because you and I have actual friends. Yes. Real friends and colleagues that we had worked with who became people we did not recognize. Yes. Either for the money or because they were true believers, whatever it was. Yes. Well, as my therapist says, <laughs> when the world becomes topsy turvy and it's it, it's it's no longer you can you can't make sense of it, it's not what you knew, that has a real serious effect on your mental health and feeling a feeling of stability. I don't have a feeling of stability. Um covering politics the way we did is no longer a thing. Yeah. Add to that the fact that cable news is changing and my network in particular, is kind of in chaos. Mm -hmm. That's been really difficult. And I know we're going to get to Bravo, but I'll tell you this story. I will tell you this story. Um, At the last BravoCon, not this year, but the year before, in New York City, I went because I did some – I interviewed some um, Bravo people on panels. And my friend who works at Bravo, Dave, you know, greeted me and wanted to walk me around the floor. Sure. Because it was a huge, you know, it was the first big Bravo con. He's like, I just got to show you everything. I walk around the floor and seeing hundreds, thousands of people lined up to take pictures with Teresa or, you yeah. know, you know, at someone's merch table. So happy to be there. And this was a punch in the gut because I thought, Why? wow, this network makes so many people, including me, so happy. Yes. And what do I do? I make people angry and afraid. I don't think you. No, but that's our business now. Yeah. It's not why I got into this. It's not why you got into it. But that feeling of, holy shit, all I do is make people angry and afraid. Like, that's the business model. It's not. It is a business model. It's not my choice. Yeah. But when you're asked to come on and talk about, you know, Congress on fire, the world on fire, politics is a dumpster fire. Yeah. What's the, like, happy spin? To put yeah. on it. You can't. So it was that was a kind of life moment realizing I could do something else. I could do something that makes people happy, mm-hmm. including myself. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. So believe me, I'm, you know, working on adding different things to my work diet and removing some things. I think I I wonder about some of like the younger girls coming up behind us. Mm. And I so it makes me so sad that they're not going to have the kind of bonds and experiences we did because again it was really fun. It was I so fun. I can't emphasize this. I'm sure we sound like old people, but like even just 10 years ago, it's not even like that long. Yeah. It was like really a blast to do this kind of work and yeah. it just makes me really sad. And I think that's why I too have like changed my work diet mm-hmm. as well because I just can't, I mentally emotionally I'm like tapped out of yelling and screaming Same. and people being divisive. And I, it's not that you and I won't, aren't, aren't both like still conservatives and have yeah. our beliefs. Yeah. It's that I just don't want to yell at you nor be yelled at for what I believe. I don't want to be lied to my face. Yes. That's yes. what's happening. That's what happens. We yeah. invite people on or you interview someone or you're on with, you know, another, another guest and they're lying to your face. Lying to your face. 
that is the gaslighting is really hard because I come in as a good faith actor. Yeah. You might not like what I have to say, but it's going to be honest. I'm going to tell you f- sincerely what I believe and I'm going to try and use facts. Yeah. Um, not everyone has that same project. No. So it's really hard to play in an uneven playing field and feel like you're the only one playing by the rules. And I'm not the only one. But when you're surrounded by people who don't care about the rules. I totally agree with that. Man, is that like infuriating. And that the my thing, too, is that like the goalposts keep changing of what it means to be actually be conservative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like last week, it's you can be for Ukraine. But if you're conservative now, you're against it. Right. And that happens in a matter of 10 days. Look at Israel. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. Yes. I, I make this joke all the time that like. You know, in Trump, I, I, I guess I, uh, uh, people see me differently because of Trump and what I say. Because you and I refuse to bend the knee. Yes, <laughs> and I have to. You know, people send me emails and what happened to you? You used to be so conservative, and I have to say, Dad, I'm still Dad. the same. <laughs> right, because it's like literally, my dad's like, "What happened? I have not changed. Mm-hmm. I still believe in all the things conservatives believed in before Trump, and then decided they didn't." anymore like anti-protectionism like lowering the debt and the deficit yeah. Trump exploded nobody cared nobody cared about all the things that had been conservative orthodoxy for as long as i know um i still believe in all those things and y'all changed it's around also, me i think i know from just obviously having personal discussions with you it's really hard for people to ask mothers to get on board with a lot of trump's garbage mm-hmm. because we'd have to explain to our kids yeah. oh that's okay actually okay to call women pigs and to, you know, all the litany of like list of yeah. things. And I could not sleep at night if I allowed it. And it's amazing to me the amount of like people who in one hand are like very pious about their values. Yeah. And on the other hand are like, but Trump never did anything wrong. Yes. And like cheating on your wife is cool. It's really hard for me too. Like I was at a Christmas party, a media Christmas party a couple years ago and a Fox host with the initials BK um, came up to me and I like this person. He's nice. He goes, Essie, what is going on? You have gone crazy to my face. Crazy. To my face. And I'm like, BK, I could say the same for you. Like, <gasps> this is how we see each other what now. What did they say? Well, he was like, oh, I mean, you know, you know, you know how it is. And I don't know what that means. Do I know how it is? What? Are you acting? Is that what yeah. you mean? Why would someone say that to you? I would never this say that to anyone. Ever. If I was in the same room with a Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I would yes. not say that to her never. just because I have manners. Right. That's it. Right. <laughs> because I'm not an animal. Well, right. And I, yeah, but the echo chambers yeah. that we're in in media are so strong. And and now you have to pick not just political teams, but network teams and friend teams, Instagram yes. teams, show teams. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yes. It's exhausting. But mm-hmm. there's something that's not exhausting. Tell me. You're also on a Bravo show team and you're really I you're related to the network. You're always hosting things for them and you know a lot of Bravo celebrities. You're on Watch What Happens Live all the time, friends mm-hmm. with Andy, all the things. Mm-hmm. You went to BravoCon and hosted some panels. Yes, I did. My <laughs> podcast audience is very interested in this subject. Yes. Can you please tell me A, like what was it like to in Las Vegas? Mm-hmm. How are your panels? Uh-huh. And is there any like juicy gossip you can share? Because sure. I I didn't go to BravoCon. I mean, I wasn't invited, but I I also just like didn't have a reason to go. But it seems really fun. But you you could you could go. You could. Be I mean, invited. I could come with you and be your assistant. You yes. could also come, you could also be invited. <laughs> but um, well, it was awesome. Okay, let me let me start with this was the third BravoCon and it okay. was in Vegas, as you said. Yeah, so crazy on top of crazy on top of crazy. Totally, like in the best ways. It's larger than life. It's a lot. 
Okay. It's overwhelming. Um, the fans are phenomenal. I was tired watching your Instagram yeah. stories. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, just her outfit wardrobe changes. There's a lot of a lot outfits. A lot of changes. Yeah. Yes. Outfits. And then, you know, after the panels, there's events. Yeah. And you want to go to all the events. Yeah. Right? Because all your Bravo celebrities are going to be there. Yeah. And so you don't want to miss anything. And so it's pretty exhausting. Again, worth it, but exhausting. And just like the walking of the convention yeah. center is yeah. a lot, you know? Yeah. But, um, it's the funnest three days of my life. Okay. Every year. Okay. Every year. Okay. It's so fun. And it's such an escape. And like I mentioned, the fans are so happy to be there. It's infectious. Mm-hmm. I brought John, my husband, this yeah. year. To- Who is the, a mountain man that cho- yes. literally chops wood and shoots guns. Who watches Outdoor Fishes, Network. Yes. Right. He doesn't know who Dorinda is. He is not a Bravo right. person. <laughs> right. And, but I wanted him to see. Uh-huh. And the same thing this year. My friend Dave, who works at Bravo, took us around. And, you know, John got to see how... You know, the fans interacted with me and, and how I have, I have a fan base at Bravo, which is super fun and I'm so lucky for it. And he got to see a lot of the Bravo celebrities that he's sort of seen in passing and our relationships and just how much people love this network. And he was like, I've never seen brand loyalty like this Uh before. Uh He's like, it might be close to Fox. Yeah. Except like Star Wars fans. That's what I always think of it as. Yes. But like for a network to have this hold on people. And I get it. I've been into Bravo for 20 years. And in the worst times, the most stressful times, turning on Bravo Mm -hmm. is it's a drug. Mm -hmm. It is a complete escape. Uh Because how can you have any serious thoughts when Dorinda is yelling, clip, uh, clip, yes, yes. right? Or Sutton is saying, name them, name them, name them. If someone did that to me, I'd be so pissed off. I would have punched her. I, if, so, <laughs> if someone was like, nay, I would be like, absolutely not. Thank you so much. I don't know how Kyle well, handled that. Did you that. interview Kyle? I, I think that was I one did. of the people. Okay. She's on one of my panels, yeah. I, you only say what you want to say. Okay. I think she's in a lesbian relationship with Morgan Wade. Uh, the last episode I saw, and I'm going to say this to you. I love you. We have been in many different situations together. Okay. I Where have, is this going? <laughs> well, I, like, I, we are very, very close female friends. Yes. I do not flirt with you. No, right. I right. do not punch your arm when you're coming in. I'm not, like, teasing you like I'm no. flirting with you. And I'm also not getting ma- – not that I'm, like, against getting a matching tattoo right. with you. If you offered it, I probably would. Right. But I'm not, like, hiring <laughs> a tattoo it. artist to my home yes. to have, like, this – it, all of it is very sexual to me. I have never seen your unclothed body. No, I have Nor not. Nor have you seen nope. mine. Right. I have not. Right. I actually have not. I know. No. Right. And nope. we're as close as girls can nope. be. Nope. Right. <laughs> right. And here's Kyle, like, ripping her shirt off. I know. And, and then we've also never been in a music video where we made out. No. Right. No, I have not. Right. But that's what I think is so weird is, like, you're, we are very, very close. With, I've never done any of that. Right. I feel like she's either... In a relationship, which okay. great, no shame, no, no, a fab, fantastic, love live this your life. I love a late in life lesbian. Totally, me too. <laughs> I think you said that first. Yes, I think I stole that from late in life text. lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> you said to our text chain, <laughs> but I love that for her. So it's either real or it's like cosplay, which I find really gross. If it is queer baiting cosplay, yeah. I'm really not into it because I think Gross. it's insulting to members of the LGBT community. Yeah. And, you know, there's still a lot of bigotry and laws yeah. and you know, it's not like it's like a free country still for everybody. And I don't like it, but I do think they're in a relationship. I think it's I real. Do. I think yeah. it's real. 
Yeah. And I'm looking forward to her coming out and being honest about that. Did you see their Christmas card photo at Cal- Kathy Hilton's? No. How, that Kathy Hilton put a Christmas photo from her Christmas party, and it's her and Morgan Wade's in the middle, and Kyle's on the outside. And they, I'm sorry, they just look like a couple to yes. me. I, I'm like, everyone, we're, I'm done with this facade. Yeah. I also think Kyle may be dragging this out too long. For for the story? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, for publicity. They're, known, they're all, all the Bravo, they're known to do that, right? Yeah. The, you know, they know how the season works. Yeah. But like, I love you. I, I don't want to spend as much time with you as no. they spend together. They do everything together. I also, Ben would have, my, our husbands, John and Ben would yes. be like, what are you doing? What is going on here? Yes. And maybe Mauricio has said that. Maybe he's yeah. like, okay, what is going on? Do you like the season of Beverly Hills? Um, uh, um, Same. It's a little, it's a little dark. Yeah. It's a little dark. It's not as light as I would like. Yeah. But maybe it gets there. Who's your favorite? Or is that too hard? No. I mean, Erica's just so watchable. Erica Jane. And Crystal. Those are my favorites. Yeah. I mean, Crystal's boring, but I don't mind that. Well, I feel like Crystal, I would hang out with Crystal. Yes. Right. Right. Like, She's I think normal. she seems cool. Yes. I like the way she dresses. I like her relationship with her husband. Same. I like her kids. Same. I like her brother in China. Me too. <laughs> like, I like everything about Crystal. The pop star brother. Yes. I love them. I, I need, need more, more on that. I need more of the pop star brother. Same. Yes. Same. I love Erica. She's my number one, like, forever. I know. And you guys are friends. But she's yes. just so watchable. Even when you're not liking what she's saying. Yeah. She's so watchable. Yeah. She's great. Is there anyone you could live without? On that franchise? Mm-hmm. Sutton's getting on my nerves. Same. She's getting on my nerves. Do you know what she reminds me of? And this is like what? terrible. What? Someone I was forced to sit next to at a Republican fundraiser. Wait. Like just not not her, not, not one specific person in my brain, but just like oh. she is a woman. And I don't even oh. think she's a Republican. I think she's like a Democrat. But right. like she's just like a, stere- like a sort of a stereotype yes. of like a woman who attends ladies lunch GOP fundraisers. Yes. And I, that's very triggering for me. <laughs> So like watching her, I'm like, I don't need anywhere that like vibe. Yes, and yes. like, I don't know. I don't I if you were like, Megan, do you want to go to a Magic Mike show? Like, that's not oh. really my thing. Oh. I would probably say no. Right. But if I had a friend, if I was like there for someone's birthday and I was a member of a group, I would not throw a tantrum. That was weird. And flip out. I mean, again, it's not my thing. It's not my thing. It's not mine either. I would definitely not get on stage. Whatever. Same. But I'm also a yes and person, and if this uh-huh. was like really important uh-huh. to someone, I would go and not bitch about it. That was so weird. I don't know why she's flipping out so much. It was a weird freak out. That said, as a viewer, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it too. And then she's right. like smoking a joint everywhere. Yes. So she's a walking contradiction. Last final thing, Denise Richards. Wow. I don't understand why someone in her life isn't like, you're going to be on camera. Right. Don't get, don't wasted. drink beforehand. Don't get or wasted whatever on Casamigos. Because I actually like Denise Richards. Me too. And it's not doing her any favors to show up on television looking just crazy. Crazy. And a mess, like a physical mess. Yes. Uh, it looks like a emotional mess. Like, yeah. a, it, not good. Right. Where you're like, maybe Charlie Sheen's the normal one in that relationship. Who knows? Um, no, that was wild dinner party. Yeah. The faces she made, I didn't know a face could make those. I know. It was awesome. <laughs> Do you think she should come back? I enjoyed her. Yeah, I did too. I enjoyed her. Yes. And I like her relationship with Garcelle. I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, I would welcome her back. Yeah. In a way that like, there are lots of them I would not. Like, Same. I'm, I'm good with Rena. I do I'm not need good. Camille coming back. I'm good with Camille. Yeah. Right. I and didn't even mean, like her at the dinner party. I was like, why are you here? It doesn't mean I don't like these people. I just, I'm good. Same. I'm good. I've had enough. I feel like I've had all they can give. Also, 
if anyone in Bravo is listening, I am tapped out on <laughs> Beverly Hills cast members. You don't need to add anymore. No. There's like 10 people on that cast. That We're fine. Agree. And I don't know um, the new girl very well. Happy. I don't even remember Anna her Marie. name. Anna Maybe. Marie. Yeah. But you're right. I don't need any more. I don't she need seems lovely. Anymore. I just don't need her. Yes. And it's not like she's, I'm sure she's great. But yeah. Like, yeah. There's a lot of people I'm already dealing with on this show. Yes. I need to switch to Salt Lake City, which is, Wonderful. in my opinion, the crown jewel 100%. of the franchises right now. 100%. I'm going to say something that's like maybe a little bit controversial. I never say anything controversial. Love it. Monica's my favorite. Oh. <laughs> I know. You just literally physically yes. recoiled. You physically recoiled. That is controversial. It's very controversial. But I just met a makeup artist in Dallas who agrees with me. I don't think you're alone. I think she's a great mirror to these women, right? Because she's normal and she comes from like a normal background. She doesn't yeah. have a ton of money. She's very open and honest about that. And so I think she's able to to call out like Lisa Barlow. Stop mentioning your $60,000 ring. It's gross. Yes. Right? Which we're at home. We're like, let's drop it already. Yeah. But she can do it. Yeah. Um. So she's very real that way. And I do like her. But um, I'm a Meredith stan. You're a Meredith stan. Stan. Okay, tell me why. Well, I want to be her for Halloween. You're going to be Meredith for Halloween? I want to. She's such a All you need like, is like a pantsuit. <laughs> and like a bathtub. talk about the husband. <laughs> I but I... Okay. She's, Meredith kind of scares me. Yes, me too. But okay. that's why she's All right. amazing. <laughs> I'm like, she's really intense. I saw her at BravoCon. Okay. And she was the only one I was really scared to talk to. So I did not. Oh. I did not. Well, she's scary. She is scary. I don't know why she's scary, but she's scary. But I, I am not scary. And I... I You're not scary. aspire to be scary. You're not scary. I know. I'm. No one's scared of me. No one's intimidated. No one's like. I think uh, people are intimidated, but you're not scared. No, they're not. No, they're not. And I. I but you I, also aren't DMing people nasty shit about their lives. No, like I would she's never. Doing she's people. ruthless. I know. Do you no. like Angie? She has really grown on me. She's she's a great character. Mm -hmm. She's real thirsty. She really wants to be there. Yes. Really wants to be on camera. Yes. And and she is so mazel to her. She made it happen. Do you like Monica? I do. I think she's really likable and. That relationship with her mom. It's fascinating. It's fascinating and no offense to my mom, but like a little relatable. Mm -hmm. You know, the mother-daughter relationship is complex. For anyone. For anyone. Yes. And I don't have, you know, my mother didn't abandon me, as yeah. Monica would say. But, um, but I think that is real relatable. Navigating your adult relationship with your mom. Her mom showing up in a Burberry pants Yes. And matching scarf uh -huh. and matching shirt. I was like, that is so planned and yes. so premeditated. Yes. And I feel really bad for Monica because I feel like I can't imagine if my mom would, my mom would never do such a thing. But like mm -hmm. if your mom somehow had power over you to take your car away. Your and only like, car. Yeah. And you have four kids. And like, no. you know, I like how messy Monica is. I like that she's so open. Yeah. And I like that she's not super wealthy, yeah. which is an interesting twist for me because normally I like a very old, very wealthy housewife. Me too. And no, it's she's a great... But I'm worried that the cast has like... a They won't film with her. Heather Gay said like she's not filming with her until she takes accountability. And none of them appeared with her at BravoCon apparently. And my fear is that they're going to try and like bully her off the show. And oh. hear me now, I will like... Like go crazy if Monica is not. But you will protest. Back next. I will have a very serious problem with that show if they remove yes. Monica. She's the best part of it. That's so interesting. I I hadn't heard that. And now that you say that, I didn't see her at BravoCon. I didn't oh. see her at all. Well, she was alone. I know because oh. I follow her on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So, and she like the cast. They all did. And then in the reunion pictures, the cast was posting pictures that, but she wasn't in them. 
Like, you guys, oh. come on. But I also relate to an odd girl out. I know. <laughs> like, that's yes. kind of my lane. So I'm like, okay. Yes. And I also like that she's from Arizona. So <laughs> Monica yes. can stay forever. Yes. Yes. Um, are you excited for new Vanderpump Rules? Wow. I'm exhausted from the, the, the last trailer. year. No, like the last year. So I found out about Tom and Rachel the day after it happened because Chris and Dodie called me. <gasps> Chris and Dodie and I are friends. <gasps> So I found out before everyone knew. You told me pretty early, but I didn't tell anyone. Yes. yes. And I was um, like, are you sure? Right, right. Yeah. It was hard to believe, except it's coming out of Kristen's mouth. Like, yeah. like I really she, like Kristen, by the way. She's wonderful. Yeah. So I got real sucked into the story. And, you know, I know these people. Yeah. Ish. I mean, I know Kristen, but I like I know these people ish. Um, And so I was doing like their podcasts just to kind of like be um, yeah, yeah. an ear for the story. And then Bravo flew me out to LA to do the four-year consideration yes, Emmy. Yes, you did the Emmy Interview for, yes, for, for, for that, that season. And so I'm a little exhausted because that storyline took over my life for a bit and sure. I loved it because uh-huh. it was amazing. I'm a little exhausted. I need a little time. I'm not ready to jump back into all that drama. I've actually stopped watching, oh. um, but it's because I had a personal interaction with Ariana that wasn't pleasant, and I'm just kind of like oh, I remember. over it. I and remember. I, but I really like Lala. Um, yeah, she's great. I don't know. I I'm not as into Vanderpump, and I know it's a huge, hugely popular. I know like everybody loves it except me. I totally get it. Um, I too just, I don't know. I'm not as interested in it yeah. for some reason. Yeah, but I'm very into Southern Charm. And you're friends with Shep. <laughs> yes. And you actually just had him at your house for Christmas. Yes. Which is crazy. I know. By the way, <laughs> I've only um, met him through you, and it was only over like FaceTime. You were like hanging out with him, and you, I FaceTime you, and you answered, and you were with him. Okay. And I find him like very pleasant. He's so likable. And he reminds me of like a lot of guys around here, kind of. Yes. Like DC broy guys, and I say that like with affection. Like he lived whatever. here. He went to he went to prep school here. He did. Uh huh. Oh. Episcopal, you got thrown out, but yeah. You went to Episcopal? <laughs> oh my God. That's so, that is a preppy prep school. And I'm, he's said this publicly, so I'm not like telling his secrets. No, no. Yeah. Um, is it weird when you hang out with him? Do people like do double takes? Like, how famous is he when you go down the street? Um, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty famous. And he'll tell you, like, if he were to go to a, a bar in the Midwest, he would be bought shots for hours. Totally. Hours. Which has gotten him into trouble. And, he'll, you know, he, he's open about that, too. Like, you know, the lifestyle of being a Bravo celebrity now has kind of taken over mm-hmm. to a point where he's not he feels like he's not completely in control. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, he's pretty famous. But I mean, he's also really nice and normal. Mm-hmm. He's really smart. How many more seasons do you think they're going to do? Because mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this season. Me, too. Of Southern Charm. Me too. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know when it would end um, because I think these people are still really interesting and compelling and there's a lot of storylines still yeah. still going on, like st- yeah. unraveling as we speak. Like when I was at BravoCon, Taylor and Olivia had not spoken <gasps> since they stopped filming. And so, you know, they had Sound to do that on the stage. Yeah. Those stories are still I will say one happening. thing. I... Really am rooting for Shep. I don't know why. Again, like maybe it's mm-hmm. this like Episcopal high school connection, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where my dad went to high school, whatever. Um, and there's that. But Austin, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm like grossed out by him. I have, I'm going to give a very hot take on Austin. Great. Olivia lost her brother this season. Yes. For people that don't watch. So did and Taylor. 
and Taylor. Yep. Yes, they both lost their brothers yep. in a very tragic way. Yep. I, my understanding is I think it was drugs involved. They both overdosed. They overdosed. Uh-huh. Him coming to her so soon after her brother died. Austin. Austin. Yeah. And being like, I love you. I want to be in your life. As someone who also has experienced major loss yeah. when my dad died, you are so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You don't know where your head is. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he was really, really shitty and emotionally manipulating yeah. her. Yeah. And then, yeah, as we're seeing again, as the season's progressing, he is not in a relationship with her. I don't think he's being respectful to her. Mm-hmm. And it made me absolutely hate him. Well, let me tell you something. Sure. There's still a few episodes left in the season. There are, yeah. Shep told me, you're going to hate Austin over the next few episodes. I already hate Austin. I know. I'm just saying, apparently, he gets worse. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Thank you for that. Yes. I appreciate that. Look forward to this. Thank you so much. (laughs) No, I actually, like, I'm glad I can finally say this to someone who who understands what the hell I'm talking about, but I really feel like... Taking advantage of a woman who has gone, who is in deep yeah. in grief, is really fucked up. I think he's just very unself-aware and, you know, impulsive, and doesn't think about consequences or other people's feelings. He just kind of acts. But he's like our age. Yes, I know. He's I these know. are not kids. These I'm aren't people in their twenties. Oh no, I know you're not. I yeah. just like. There's something about it. I actually almost had to stop watching after the scene. And again, not to like overuse this word. It was like actually triggering for me. I was yeah. like, leave her alone. She's sad. <laughs> She's her brother just overdosed. Like, I think you and I were on what Watch What Happens Live. Watch What Happens Live together. Uh-huh. And someone in the audience asked, like, how does Austin get all these beautiful He's so mediocre. women? Yeah. And I think I said 6'5". He's 6'5". That's it. He's 6'5". That would never do it for me. I think because I'm so short, yeah. everyone's so hot right. to me. I'm 5'1". I think for a lot of people, for a lot of women, that is it. Just being that tall? Yeah. Does he have a good personality? No. Right. I don't know what his job is other than being on Bravo. Right. No, I like can't stand him. <laughs> like I have this like very visceral reaction to him. I'm like, I hate him. And it's by recourse made Shep look better. Yes. Because yes, Shep also has. is like at least concerned for like his ex-girlfriend's health. Yes, very. Like and he's talking about it and very. he's like, you know, I worry about her, all these things. And yeah. Austin's like, Oh, your brother just died? Let me fuck with you. Right, right. Like no, God. Shep is a good person. Yeah. And, you know, I know him pretty well. He's a very good person. I don't know Austin that well. I don't know if he's a good person deep down inside. He I, says I think he is. Not. He says he is all the time. No. <laughs> I'm actually a good person. I think if you have to say it over and over again. Totally. You know. <laughs> totally. It's such a good show. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you're watching on Bravo before we wrap this part I'm up? I'm watching everything on Bravo. Everything? Yeah. Everything. Summer yeah. House, Potomac House. just happened. Summer House, Winter House. I'm not watching oh, yeah. those. Yeah. I need to get into those. I want to pivot a little bit to just Christmas time, going into New Year's. Do you have New Year's resolutions? Mm. You have a very young son, yes. Jack, yes. who is adorable. What is motherhood like mm-hmm. at his age right now? Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got such a great personality. He's in third grade and, you know, really becoming himself, mm-hmm. which is fun to watch, mm-hmm. right? Because the first four or five years, you're like, I don't know like who you are yet. Yeah. Right, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's becoming himself. It's also been really challenging. This has been the hardest year of my life, 2023. Really? Yes. Why? Mostly having to do with mental health and anxiety and motherhood and parenting yeah. with some challenges you're aware of. Um, motherhood is so hard. It's hard for everyone. It's with incredible. or without specific challenges. You know, uh-huh. I have specific challenges. You wouldn't need them. It's always hard. Mm-hmm. And this was the hardest. So my resolution for next year is to, first of all, give myself some grace and not beat myself up for having a rough year. Mm-hmm. That's okay. 
Oh, yeah, we all have rough years. And it doesn't have to be fatal. But I need to rediscover myself, seriously. And I'm writing a book about mental health that's help helpful. Do you know when it's going to come out? When I finish it. Okay. It's so hard to write about because when I'm feeling great, the last thing I want to do totally. is write about my mental health and yeah. my struggles. And when you're feeling bad, it's the last thing you want to do. I want to be in bed. Yeah. So there's a very weird window where I feel okay writing this. So it's been very slow. I wrote my first two books in six weeks. That's crazy. This, well, I'm a very fast writer. Yes. Not for this. Uh-huh. This is really tough. But I have that look to look forward to. I want to make some changes in my professional life. I want next year to be good. I just want it to be good. And mm-hmm. I want to feel like I know myself mm-hmm. again. And I know that's like nebulous and vague, but it's I've lost myself a bit. So really hard times. I feel the same way a little bit. Yeah. I think motherhood also, because you have to give so much. Yeah. You know, there's no time that's yours. From no. the second you wake up in the morning till at night, you're taking care of Jack. Yes. I'm taking care of Liberty and Clover. There's some need they always need. There's yes. There's always something a child needs yes. at all times. If it's as simple as like they need a water cup, as extreme as like they need a doctor's appointment, yeah. like and everything in between. Yeah. And I think for women, you know, I even know for me and I know it's the same way with Jack, like children just want their mother in a very specific way. And they're just some things dad can't do. 100%. And that doesn't mean dads aren't important at all, right. whatever. But like it's mommy, mommy. And, mm-hmm. you know, with you too. And I feel like, you know, there's not enough conversations about the things that you sacrifice when you become a mother too. Yeah. And again, like you, you can sacrifice your identity a bit. Mm-hmm. Because you become so identified with being a mom mm-hmm. and that becoming, I mean, for me, it's become my full-time job and my most important job. So you can lose yourself and forget, like, who am I outside of this? I don't know. Yeah. You know? So it's th- that's important, too, to just remember, like, you're, you're, you're still a person. There's a person in there inside the mom. There's yeah. a person in the mom. I, I told um, Ben recently, I was like, I was a lot of things before I was a wife and a mother. Yes. And I'm going to still be those things. Yes, but, you will. But I was a lot, and it's not just evaporated just because I'm here cleaning up Chinese food. Yes. From everybody right. in the kitchen right, right now. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, Essie, I love you so much. Love you. Thank you for doing this. You're great at this. Thank you. I don't know if I'm good. We're figuring it out. You're great. But I love you. Love Thank you. you for sharing all this and gossiping about Bravo and everything. My next guest really needs no introduction. He is the former Speaker of the House and a national best-selling author of March to the Majority, The Real Republican Revolution. My friend, Newt Gingrich, thank you so much for coming on, Newt. I'm so happy to speak with you. I know you're so busy, and I appreciate you taking time. Well, listen, you're, you're such a great person, and we love you and Ben so much. I, I couldn't say no. I love you and Callista so much. You're the most fun people, and I love being friends with you. And I also love how smart you are because you always have the best takes on everything. And I have a bunch of questions for you, but first and foremost, I just have to start out with Hunter Biden today. Going and making, <laughs> I, for people that don't know, he was supposed to go testify in front of Congress today in an open or in a closed hearing, and he says he wants an open hearing. I didn't really understand what he was saying. He was like, I've never done anything wrong. My dad's never done anything wrong, despite the fact that he owes over a million dollars in taxes. I feel like there are double, triple, quadruple standards for Hunter Biden. What did you make of today? Well, I, I haven't seen what actually happened. Uh, did he Did he end up testifying? He did not. Doors? No, he did well, not. Well, then I suspect they'll cite him for contempt of Congress. The uh, fact is, when you look at the evidence which Chairman Comer has produced so far, uh, it's pretty compelling. Uh, millions of dollars from Russia, from Kazakhstan, Romania, Ukraine, China, 
uh, for a guy who is a self-admitted drug addict and alcoholic and who has no particular technical knowledge. I mean, clearly people were buying uh, his father's name. Now, his father claims, of course, he knew nothing about it, although uh, it turned out that a number of things happened at his, his father's personal home, uh, and the checks actually arrived at Joe Biden's home. And then it also turns out that Hunter was giving Joe money. And you may remember that in the uh, famous laptop, he actually wrote his, Hunter wrote his daughter and said, at least you'll never have to give me 50% of the money the way I have to with your grandfather. Now, it's always it's always amazed me how liberals could look at that sentence and not think, gee, I wonder what he meant when he said he was giving Joe Biden 50% of the money. Uh, I personally, as a historian, think he probably meant he was giving Joe Biden 50% of the money. Yes. Although Biden has said publicly, gee, I don't know anything about any of this. How much of a scandal do you think all of this Hunter Biden stuff will be? Because I find when I talk about it with people who aren't Republicans, they act like I'm wearing a tinfoil hat. And we know that he hasn't paid at least a million dollars in taxes. I've never been approached by China or Russia or any foreign adversary to do any kind of work for their country, probably because, well, A, my dad's dead, but B, because people know I'm not a corrupt person. He was doing something shady. I don't think you have to have like a degree in political science to know that. How much of an impact do you think he's going to have on the election going forward? Well, I think I think it has eroded the Biden family name pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's part of the reason uh, that uh, Joe now is down at 30-something percent approval. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the, the fact is, if, if it had been domestic corruption, if, you know, some guy from Nevada or Montana or New Hampshire, that'd be one thing. But when you have the son of the vice president of the United States getting money from countries that are adversaries, uh, you, you really have to wonder to what degree this is the largest, and I happen to think it is the largest scandal in the White House in American history. And I think we'll, we're going to learn more about it. Uh, when, every time I talk to Chairman Comer, uh, he's on the trail of additional receipts, additional credit cards, additional bank records. Uh, and uh, and I know, because I have a friend who's an attorney for some of the people who are witnesses against the Bidens, the people who were working with Hunter absolutely believe that Joe Biden knew everything that was going on. Wow. That's fascinating. So, yeah, all, all, of the, all of that gradually will penetrate. But I think also... You know, between between all the attacks on Trump and the whole tone of where we are as a country, if you're a, if you're a partisan Democrat, you shrug it off and you say, well, somebody said the other day about the money that, that they surfaced that Hunter had been paying. Well, he was paying back a loan for a truck. Uh-huh. His father loaned him the money. Now, first of all, given the millions that Hunter was making, you have to wonder why his dad would be loaning him money. Uh-huh. And second, there's no evidence anywhere that there was a loan. It's just, you know, it's just it's the latest uh, defensive line as they crumble uh, week by week. Can I ask you about we're heading into right after Christmas, we're going to enter the New Hampshire primary. A new real clear politics average poll has Trump at 60 percent, Haley and DeSantis about 12 percent, Vivek 5 percent, and Trump is at 50 percent in Iowa and DeSantis is at 20 percent in Iowa. Is this just Trump's game and we're all just doing kabuki theater pretending like there's an actual primary Uh, What do you think? Well, first of all, I've been involved in politics and public policy since August of 1958. And one of the things I've learned is that sooner or later the American people get to talk. So I Uh I look at all the polls like everyone else, but I want to see the first precincts. Who cares enough to vote? Who cares enough to show up? And did they change their mind last night? 
particularly in primaries, because in a primary you don't have any party identity to, to keep you hooked. And so primaries can shift with amazing speed. Now, having said all that, the odds of anybody competing seriously with Trump are very tiny because it's not just Iowa and New Hampshire, South Carolina, where he's head of, I think he's ahead of Nikki in her home state by about 40 percent. But it's a nationwide operation. There's a poll in California that has Trump at 70 percent. Well, if you're going to sweep the biggest state in the country at 70 percent, you're a big step towards being the nominee. So my working model for me is that Trump will be the nominee. He'll probably be the nominee by Super Tuesday in early March. Uh, and he will then spend the whole year uh, trying to define Biden out of the out of the game. The odds are at least even that he's going to win the presidency. I think that there's a very high number of people that are going to end up voting for President Trump just because the economy is so bad and just because President Biden, you know, his age, he he looks like he's non-compass Um, How much of a factor do you think Biden's age is in all of this? Well, I, you know, Trump. Trump is not exactly a, a child. No. The difference is Trump. Trump has a kind of raw natural energy that he doesn't feel old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden is clearly visibly aging, and and everybody I talk to says that you can you see him stumble, you see him forget what he's doing, you see him uh, not able to pronounce certain names, and I think that is all going to get worse. And I think what what props Biden up, and the reason I think. He will not be impeached and convicted. Uh, is Kamala Harris uh-huh. because she w- she would be so bad as president yes. that no rational person could vote to replace Biden with Kamala Harris. Uh-huh. And so, in that sense, Biden sort sort of has an insurance policy sitting next to him uh, when they meet at the White House. Can I ask you about the state of um, Republicans in Congress? I just interviewed uh, former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He wasn't quite as reflective as I had expected on his just short tenure and the fact that he was ousted by eight people who, you know, didn't like various different things about him. We have a very small majority right now. How concerned are you with the state of Republicans in Congress? Well, first of all, I think politics is always a very tumultuous business. I think that the American people are so unendingly energetic that uh, there's always something going on. I have to say I've been very impressed so far that Speaker Johnson seems to be a calming influence and that uh, you'll notice, for example, they just passed a bill that will have much tougher restrictions on universities getting money from foreign countries. Uh, and it was, it was bipartisan. They had a bunch of Democrats vote for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they passed a bill the other day uh, on blocking the $6 billion uh, for that Iran has, uh, that is currently locked up in, in, in uh, Qatar, and it was a veto-proof bipartisan majority. So at one level, Johnson seems to have lowered the temperature and allowed people to start being reorganized back into sort of more normal politics. Now, I've been fascinated by the, I think, pretty clever step of passing the aid to Israel with an offset and then saying, look, we've done our job. Now, what are you going to do? And the Senate is gridlocked and Biden seems to be willing to give up on aid to Israel and Ukraine rather than change uh, the Biden illegal immigration policy, which is a total disaster. But on the left, he, he knows that he will have a, he'll have a total civil war in his party if he decides to control the border. 
In regards to Biden sort of hedging on Israel, um, we have seen a 400% increase in anti-Semitic hate crime since October 7th. Obviously, everyone in America saw the president of Harvard, president of MIT, and president of Penn refusing to say that you know genocide against Jews was something that would be a problem on campus. There is anti-Semitism on the right, but it's crazy people with tiki torches in like the bowels of the country. It's not the elites in media and Hollywood and running education. Do you think that the Democratic Party is going to be a party right now that is a party that's okay with anti-Semitism going forward? And do you anticipate anything happening at the convention in regards to Israel and Palestine for the DNC? Oh, I think they may have a very tough fight at the convention. The most aggressive wing of the Democratic Party is pro-Palestine, pro-terrorist activists. And those two groups have the largest part of energy in the Democratic Party right now. Not the largest number, but they're the ones who are insistent, fanatic, aggressive. Uh, And I think that's part of why Biden has such a huge problem. Uh, I thought, by the way, Elise Stefanik was unbelievable Uh in, uh, as a Harvard graduate, in just staying on top of the president and ask, asking her 17 times. I mean, the level of discipline it takes, having done this once upon a time, yeah. the level of discipline it takes to be sitting there and come back again and again and again. And I'm told that the video of that interview is now the most watched congressional hearing in history and has had over a billion views. Yeah. Uh, and we now know, of course, the University of Pennsylvania president resigned under pressure. Harvard, uh, the Harvard governing board promptly endorsed President Gay and has now discovered that she apparently plagiarized her dissertation. I saw that. And the Harvard, the Harvard rules on plagiarism, they kicked out 26 students for plagiarism. So they, they now have a she, – she, I think she is a decaying commodity, uh, and, and I would not be at all surprised to see at some point – that she she retires with uh, all of her friends on the left praising her mm-hmm. for her courage and her brilliance. Are you concerned about the rise in anti-Semitism in America and what sure. it seems to be? Like I said, I, I just want to I'm wondering if the D, if the Democrats are going to be a party that allows anti-Semitism in its faction. Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get one of the major think tanks to do a conference on Weimar Germany and the rise of the Nazis. Okay. And to ask the question, so what what should a democracy do when faced with people who overtly, explicitly advocate the extermination of people? Uh-huh. They didn't find a solution in the 30s, and ultimately you got Adolf Hitler. I found it pretty horrifying. If You, you know, I, I said to an audience the other day, when you have a group that cuts off the heads of babies, yeah. that group is evil. And the correct response to evil is to destroy it. And the fact that we have young people at a place like Harvard, we have, well, we have, we have entire college faculties who are signing letters and voting for resolutions which are basically pro-terrorist. They're pro-rape. Uh, they're pro-torture. Uh, they're pro-dragging people in the streets. And they would say, well, I don't really mean that. But that is what they're saying. And I think we, ought, we have to have the nerve to confront them head on. And frankly... I would find ways to cut off federal funding for universities that take a pro-terrorist position. I 100 percent endorse and agree with that. Um, It's just been, you know, you have Jewish friends. I have Jewish friends. It's been a very difficult time for them. And it's been heartbreaking to see the reaction 
of so many people in so many different spaces, but it's, you know, the radicals in academia who seem to be some of the worst offenders. I want to um, switch gears a little bit. I have been a fan of Ron DeSantis. I was really excited with the idea to voting for him. He is not even hitting 5% in some polls. What happens with Ron DeSantis after Iowa? Do you think he can go back and be a you know great governor in Florida if he doesn't win and come back and run for president again? Do you think his moment is over? I've been really disappointed in the campaign he has run and, you know, just disappointed that he sort of hasn't leveled up in the way that I wanted him to. Well, I, I told a very close friend of his before he announced that he really ought to sit down and talk to Jeb Bush because Jeb was the front runner. He had the most money. He had all of the family connections. He was seen as, if not inevitable, clearly the most likely nominee. And then he ran into Donald J. Trump. Uh-huh. And Trump shrank him almost within days. It was amazing to watch how fast it happened. And I said, you know, DeSantis needs to understand taking on Trump is an invitation to shrink. And that's what's happened to him. He's had six months of shrinking. He is a very good governor in Florida. Uh, and, and I feel bad for him because uh, he is more competent than he's currently coming across. But it's a little bit like the old rule in baseball that there are people – who are really good at AAA ball, but they can't hit major league pitching. Uh-huh. And DeSantis went out in a very tough environment. In a different time, in a different place, he might have been successful. I think he has a big challenge now because he's got two more years to his governorship, and then he won't. He's ter- he's term limited out, uh-huh. so he won't have a natural base. If, if if he had bided his time, he would have had a real shot. I think in twenty eight. Now I think it's harder for him to have that shot. And it's not that he's not a good, decent human being. It's just having run for president myself and failed. You know, it's a very, very tough league. Yes. How um, realistic? Well, you know that from you know that from your father who ran several times. <laughs> yes, and also never won. <laughs> um, well, but he got the not. But he did he get the did. nomination. He was the nominee. I can never take that away. Um, I, how realistic do you think it is that Nikki Haley could be a vice presidential pick for Trump? He would have to get over how angry he is at her and a feeling that I get from both he and Pompeo that they were very disappointed in the way she left the U.N. I don't know what was behind that, but I, I get from both the former secretary of state and the former president. So they'd have to overcome that. On the other hand, uh, she's done very well so far. I mean, uh, she just had Governor Sununu endorse her in New Hampshire. She's raising a good bit of money. She's, she clearly has passed uh, Governor DeSantis as the sort of darling of the anti-Trump forces. I hope uh, that he will pick a woman as his vice presidential candidate. There are a bunch of them out there that are that are terrific potential candidates, both in the Senate and in governorships. And frankly, after her performance the other day, uh, Elise Stefanik has to be on the list as a possibility, because she, she, what she did was just brilliant. Do you have um, another favorite, like a Christy mm-hmm. Nome, or is it Elise Stefanik is the number one? Well, I think I think she would be terrific. I think the governor of South Dakota, if if she had not endorsed DeSantis, I would have said the governor of Iowa, who I think is one of the most competent people in American government today, and has done an astonishing job uh, in Iowa. I think there are a couple of senators, but but in the end, it's going to come down. I think Trump's going to want to know. The the first rule for a vice presidential candidate is not do they help you, but do they hurt you? And so he he needs a candidate who at a minimum is not going to hurt him. He needs a candidate who ideally is articulate and willing to campaign relentlessly. 
and he needs a candidate who is prepared to endorse and implement his values and, and to be it's important to remember they are the vice president. They're not they're not an independent agent, they're not a partner. Uh they are his subordinate. And I think that all that's gotta come into you know, and I think that's where Nikki might have a little bit of a challenge because I'm not sure Trump would ever believe that she would really be loyal and be willing to subordinate her views to his, which doesn't mean you can't tell the president what you think. But once the president, this is true of any president, once they make their mind up, it's their administration and their policy. Yeah, you're 100% right. You're, I never thought of Elise Stefanik, but you're right. She probably is on the short list at this point. Right. Um, we are 12 days away from Christmas. Your Twitter bio says you are a husband, father, grandfather, citizen, small businessman, author, and former Speaker of the House. Can you tell me what your Christmas traditions are with Callista and your children and grandchildren and what you're looking forward to in this Christmas and New Year? Well, this this will be the seventh year in which Callista and I go to St. Peter's in Rome and have Mass on Christmas Eve presided over by the Pope. Now, we're there with thousands of people. It's not like we're not hanging out properly. <laughs> uh, but we, we do it every year, and we hope to do it the rest of our lives every year. She, the three and a half years she spent as ambassador of the Vatican was a, a truly remarkable experience, and we made many, many friends in Rome, and we try to go back twice a year uh, at Christmas and then in the summertime. Then we fly home, and this year we have a new house in Naples, Florida, and our children and grandchildren are going to come and join us for New Year's, and we'll all get together and you know watch football and uh, go to a couple nice dinners and hang Wonderful. out. And hopefully, uh, if it's warm enough, they can jump in the swimming pool. I love that. You and Callista have been together 20 years, is that correct? Twenty Well, 23 years we've been married. 23 years. I have got the pleasure of getting to know Callista personally, and she's a wonderful, lovely, smart, friendly girl's girl. I love Callista. I can't ever say enough nice things about her. She's been so kind to me for so many years. What is it that makes your marriage work after 23 years? I think we're both really happy to see each other. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't quite explain it. I, I, as you know, I, I have been married twice before, and and uh, I'm Clista's only marriage. So we have different, bring different experiences. And, and uh, this will sound hokey, but in a sense, she kind of completes me. Uh-huh. I, and I, I, I realized the other day we were, we were doing something, and we were apart for, I think, two days. And uh, I really had an emptiness that I couldn't fill. That was just her. And... Uh, she, she's everything you said. I'm really very lucky. I mean, she's very attractive. She's very, very smart. She works unbelievably hard. She likes people. She's, she's much better with people than I am. <laughs> and and I find, you know, when, when she was the ambassador, the State Department term was the, was the trailing spouse. <laughs> whether, you're a, whether you're a husband or a wife, you're the trailing spouse. I actually took a week-long course in how to be a trailing spouse. It's so funny. Uh, and it was one of the happiest periods because— for three and a half years, we were at the residence in Rome, uh, and she worked very hard all day, and I, I wrote books, and I did Fox, and I did podcasts. We were somehow able to—this will sound stupid—we're a little bit like bunny rabbits. <laughs> I mean, we just get together, and we, and we you know, we just, we're just really, really happy to be together. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you burrow and, together. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's made my life unbelievably filled with joy. I love your marriage. I love your relationship. Um, you know, you. I got to know Calista in the when Ben and I were first engaged, and she gave me really good marriage advice. And she's just, I 
just think I always thought that she should host something like giving advice to women, like do something that's <laughs> not as political, but just about like marriage and love. And I don't know. She's really well, just very to be boring. honest, though, Megan, it's probably she needs to do a thing about giving advice to men. Yes. I think men, I think men have a lot harder time thinking this through than women do. Yes. But I would love if she did that. And I just like I said, I wish you all just the merriest of Christmases. I know it's a big holiday for you guys and Happy New Year. And thank you so much for taking time to come on my oh. podcast. I know you're so busy. So, so busy, and um, I look forward to seeing you in the new year. We actually have a dinner right. date already right. set. Well, I love doing this with you, and uh, you know, say hi to Ben, and I'm looking forward very much to being with your two children. And uh, you, you are a remarkable person, and I feel privileged to know you. Oh, same, Newt. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Take care. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. It's been such a pleasure to have my friends Essie Cup and Newt Gingrich on. Just a reminder that you can pick up Newt Gingrich's new book, March to the Majority, The Real Republican Revolution. It's out everywhere right now. And I just want to thank you again so much for taking time out of your day. I know you have so many busy, amazing things to do right in this holiday season. And I appreciate you taking time to listen to this podcast. We are having such a good time doing it and we're going to continue to do so. And we will be back again, same time, same place, just like every week next Tuesday. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to this episode of Megan McCain has entered the chat brought to you by Teton Ridge. I am your host and executive producer, Megan McCain. Additional executive producers are Miranda Wilkins, Eric Spiegelman, and Wynn Weigel. Our supervising producer is Olivia DiCopolis. Our senior guest producer is Kara Kaplan and associate producer Austin Goodman.